You're listening to American Songcatcher, tracing the roots of American music from its cultured past to today's artists playing it forward. I'm folk musician Nicholas Edward Williams. Hey folks, I'm thrilled to share the second part of the Sitting In mini-series, where I hand over the podcast reins to some of my folky friends so that they can share a story that ties into music preservation and play a few songs in line with their story. My guest today is Sparrow, who along with her partner Keith, leads the Asheville, North Carolina group, The Resonant Rogues, who seamlessly weave the threads of old time, country, swing, folk, and more into a beautiful tapestry that simultaneously showcases tradition and innovation. At the end of 2020, she was immersed in a month-long mentorship program at the John C. Campbell Folk School in Brasstown, North Carolina, which has a fascinating history, curriculum, and mission. This is a journal of her experience. The land that is home to the John C. Campbell Folk School has been beloved throughout human memory. Long before white colonizers arrived in the region, the Unicoi Trail carried indigenous traders right through what is now Brasstown, and the Fertile Valley has been feeding families for countless generations. When Olive Dame Campbell arrived here in 1925, she found a community eager to support her folk school dream with donated land and pledges of labor to get things off the ground. Inspired by a Danish model of non-competitive, place-based, practical learning for adults, she named the new school after her adored late husband. The John C. Campbell Folk School grew and flourished, and through the last century has reinvented itself many times to stay relevant in a changing world. Offering classes on everything from crafting to cooking to dancing and music. The school also hosts a fall festival that brings people together from all over the region and the world to celebrate traditions and community. I've been wanting to attend classes at the folk school since I first arrived in Western North Carolina nearly two decades ago. My grandma Judy attended classes here for weaving in the 1980s and I heard from her and others in Asheville that I would absolutely adore the place. However, life was so busy with a baby and then a musical career, it felt nearly impossible for me to take a week off and leave town and immerse myself in learning. Then 2020 hit and everything turned upside down for everyone, but especially those of us who make our full-time living from in-person gatherings. about the mentorship program from a friend who sent me the application saying, it's made for you. This life-changing grant-funded learning opportunity was designed to pair early to mid-career artists with established long-time teachers. The immersive experience is intended to move the folk school forward by engaging a younger generation of makers and future teachers. It truly could not have happened in the same way during anything other than this weird, wild moment in history 
hour tours, the teachers' busy schedules, and the school's classes have all been canceled and the space was made available for deep study. I was incredibly honored to be accepted as one of only three students for traditional music and dance alongside Amy Alvey and Sarah Adams. We learned from a different teacher each week, Annie Fain, Kathy Bullock, Riley Boggess, and Aubrey Atwater. Our first week with Annie Fain was the perfect introduction to the month. She grew up at the folk school, surrounded by the culture of music, dance, and crafts. In addition to this lived knowledge, she earned a degree in Appalachian Studies, danced with the Greengrass Cloggers, played with the old-time group Blue-Eyed Gal, and walked across France with her husband, putting on a folk music and dance event. She was also the music and dance coordinator at the school until very recently. We spent our mornings talking about the history of the folk school and the region, learning about musical families, legacies, and the early song catchers who documented the traditions, especially all of Dame's contributions to the collection of Cecil Sharp. Our afternoons were filled with singing, playing banjo tunes, and practicing flat footing and clogging out in open house. that, we're going to sing an old spiritual, which would have been in the 1800s, the earlier folk traditions of the African-American people. And those songs often were done a cappella, without music, and it says, Lord, I want you to help me. Starts with, oh, Lord, I want you to help me. In our second week, we had the privilege and pleasure of diving into the roots of African-American music and connections in Appalachia with Kathy Bullock. Kathy led the gospel choir at Berea College for nearly 30 years, and we could feel that legacy in the room all week. Voices singing, piano ringing, smiles audible, trying to shake loose our self-conscious inhibitions. She taught us some traditional African tunes, spirituals, blues, and gospel songs, listening carefully for the threads carried through the centuries. We also spent much time talking, thinking, and reading about the excruciatingly painful history of slavery and racism in this country. Kathy shared that this traditional African-American music was made to express unbearable sorrow or to carry hope and even joy through impossible times. We looked at statistics, read anecdotes, and listened to early recordings of black musicians. The banjo has its origins in Africa, and there were many, many black folks playing string band music throughout the 19th and early 20th centuries, strongly influencing the rhythms and melodies of Appalachian old time. However, the unfortunate racial divide in the marketing of records meant that there were not many early recordings made of African-Americans playing old-time music. But can you blame the colored man for making them goo-goo-eyes? The record companies had separate labels for the categories hillbilly music and race records and had pretty strict boxes drawn around what those genres sounded like and who could play what. Despite many barriers, the African-American string band tradition is still very much alive today carried into the future by folks such as Rhiannon Giddens, Dom Flemons, Jake Blunt, Amethyst Kia, Ben Hunter, Blind Boy Paxton, Hubby Jenkins, and Kaya Cater, as well as many others. 
get the normal frailing or normal fall hammer, you get a lot of... more of the of the actual brush going on and and in in uh, round peak banjo is sort of like it sounds sort of like this I've been working hard this year to learn traditional claw hammer tunes on the banjo so spending a whole week studying with Riley Bogus was an absolute dream Riley grew up in the round peak tradition learning as a teenager from the great gregarious Tommy Gerald as well as many other incredible musicians around Surrey County. After years of working weekdays welding and blacksmithing and playing as much as he could fit in on the weekends, he received a life-changing phone call from his pal Dirk Powell asking if he could make a Civil War-era replica banjo for the movie Cold Mountain. That led Riley to singing on the soundtrack and other opportunities like recording and touring with the legendary Willie Nelson. Though internationally successful, Riley retains a jovial, friendly, down-home personality, and I look forward to spending more time with him throughout life. Playing with different tunings seemed to be the theme for the class, as every song we learned involved changing the strings around to fit the melody. Because playing the banjo often involves using lots of open strings, hammer-ons, and pull-offs, the tuning really affects the melodies that naturally come out of the instrument. This week was especially inspiring for me, and as well as learning a bunch of traditional tunes, I wrote several original songs just for messing around with these new, exciting voicings. Riley also said a couple of things that really stuck with me and deeply affected the way I think and feel about music. He said, I never practice the banjo. I just play it. Instead of stressing about the work aspect of being a musician, he focuses on being grateful, forgetting to pick, and just enjoying the instrument. He also reminded us that everyone just plays like themselves. Purity and playing it exactly like the source is often so valued in old-time world but the recordings that we're obsessively learning from were just a moment in time. The old timers play it how they like to, and everyone who has touched an instrument puts their own fingerprint on the tune. There were more than 300 songs from the Ritchie family from those Scots-Irish ancestors, and Jean had a knowledge of all those songs. And this is one of them. The World is Old Tonight is a fragment of a shepherd's carol that Jean learned from one of her older sisters. Aubrey Atwater's enthusiasm and curiosity are contagious, and her boundless energy put us young gals to shame. An accomplished dancer, musician, teacher, and folklorist, Aubrey has been teaching at the John C. Campbell Folk School for decades. She had a pretty tough week to fill, the last of four, when our minds were tired and quite full, but we were also wanting to soak up every last drop of information we possibly could. Aubrey is a very prepared teacher with handouts and lots of workshop topics from ballads to banjo to dulcimer to flatfoot clogging. We danced every day, learned a lot about Jean Ritchie, and explored modes and methods on the Appalachian dulcimer. We also talked quite a bit about career options, getting creative with income streams, and about the skill of teaching. 
Hangman, hangman, slack up your rope, oh slack it for a while. I look down yonder and I seen Paul coming. He's walked for a many long mile. Midway through our week with Aubrey, the four of us got to all co-teach a socially distanced session with the teenagers of the Folk School Jam program, which stands for Junior Appalachian Musicians. This musical after-school program teaches kids traditional mountain instruments and songs, and with over 50 affiliates throughout the region, is a vital part of this music being passed down. It was a great opportunity for us to practice what we had been talking about in class, teaching tunes in an engaging and accessible way. One of my loveliest moments of the mentorship was taking a field trip to the Kelishek Music Shop, about a mile up the road from the school, on the penultimate day of the program. I walked with these now beloved friends, carrying the dulcimer that my grandmother had bought from the music shop in the early 80s, in its original box. After an extremely quiet year, with the folk school closed, George was so happy to have musicians in his shop. When he saw the dulcimer, he was so excited to see this instrument he had made 40 years ago that he asked to buy it back from me, and promptly tuned it up and played us a song. When I explained that it was sentimental for me as well, and I didn't want to part with it, he just handed it back and picked up one of his homemade hurdy-gurdies and played us a tune on that. What a character and what a shop. Hardanger fiddles, viola de gambas, some black sea comenches, bowed psaltries, and of course, the famous Susado whistles and recorders. The shop is a treasure trove of historic and unusual instruments and we were like kids in a candy shop. The month ended with a bonfire with all the mentees. There were three disciplines with three students each, so nine of us total at the school, plus the 2020 fellow, blacksmith Elizabeth Bells, who ran a lot of the day-to-day aspects of the program. The 10 of us women forged friendships that I believe will last our lifetimes. And I know that most of us will return to the school again and again, many to teach. As well as a high level of skill in each of our fields, I think that something that really sets this group apart is a passion for lifelong learning, a humility and willingness to be taught, and an enormous respect for our elders and the tradition bearers who paved our way. After packing my bags and saying my goodbyes, I spent my last bit of time on campus going on a long hike in the beautiful autumn afternoon. I had walked the fields, trails, creeks, and hills every day during the break after lunch and dinner, ruminating on what I'd just learned, humming tunes, and catching songs. I think I'll continue on the path and see what I find. My name is Sparrow, and this is my version of Olabel Reed's Undone in Sorrow, as taught to me by Riley Boggess. Huge thanks to Sparrow for taking the time to share this beautiful story with us. You can keep up with her, the Resident Rogues, and the John C. Campbell Folk School at the links in the description. This episode was made possible by the community on Patreon. Join for as little as $3 a month to help this independent program be all that it can be. 
Here's to the songs of old. May they live forever. See you next time on American Songcatcher. My own true lover, she's gone from me. Could ease this heart